Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Why does God allow these things? He allows it so that we could prove ourselves. Not to prove anything to ourselves, but to show ourselves what we're really, where our faith really lies and if we are really willing to submit to God. Because it's, not, it's easy to submit to God when things are going well, but when we're in a struggle, when we're in a test of our personality. You may have a personality that's bent on doing a certain thing. You may have a problem with stealing. You may have a problem with drug abuse, whatever it is. And there you are in the midst of a place, you're a drug addict, and now you find yourself working for a pharmacy. How amazing is your love? How can I keep from shouting your name? I know I am loved by the King, and it makes my heart want to sing. Thank you for joining us today on Truth in Christ. Our study continues in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 10. Pastor Rob explores how God reveals to Moses the consequences of his actions with the tablets and where his faith really lies. Moses shows his faithfulness to God, and even though he struggled with anger, he was willing to submit to God no matter what. As Christians, we will face the same challenges in our lives. It's always easy to submit to God when things are good and going well. But in the midst of the test, will we be able to submit to God as Moses did? Here's Pastor Rob with today's message. We're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter uh, 10 this evening, and hopefully we'll get through at least chapter 10, maybe even chapter 11. I don't know. We'll see how things go. I always have high expectations, and then they're shot down. You know, the, 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 thing, the reason being is, you know, when we look in the, in the scriptures, there's just so much here. And, you know, especially in this as Moses is retelling events of the past. Again, you know, just to refresh us here, he's, re, he's recalling the things of Israel's past as this new generation is about to go and inherit the promised land. Inheriting this promised land was the result of God's promises to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and all down through the lineage of Israel. And, and God finally is bringing them to this place where they're about to go in and possess that land, and they need to know certain things. They need to be aware of certain things before they encounter them. And you know, that's what a good shepherd does. A good shepherd brings his sheep into a fold, and, and you've probably heard me say this before, but a, a shepherd will bring a, a flock into an area, and, and in Israel they still do this. They, they, they have uh, rocks all the way around. They may only build them about that high, enough so that, that the sheep, you know, they're, they're, not, like, um, they're not, not like a horse or any other kind of animal. They're the most docile, they're the most innocent, they're the most um, unassuming they're the most, they're the least dangerous of all the al- of all the animals. They, they don't even have teeth, really. They're just kind of like these things that, that they would gum you to death if that's possible. Okay, and so they're these innocent little creatures, but they're so cute, especially when they're young. And so 
shepherds would bring them into a field and the shepherd would go before them and he would look into that field and make sure that there's no poisonous plants, no poisonous berries, no uh, dens of vipers around anywhere. He would go in and he would just walk through the land and he would just examine it beforehand. And he would know that land. He would know that, he, and he's very accustomed to the types of things that grow, the things that they can eat, because they'll eat anything. You put them in a field full of poison ivy, they're going to eat the poison ivy. That's just the way they are. You put them in a field full of poinsettias, and they're going to eat the poinsettias. They will eat anything. So a shepherd has to lead them and go in before them and prepare that ground for them. And Jesus is, the Lord himself is telling them, These, this is who you are, Israel. This is who you are. This is what you're capable of because your forefathers were no different than you. The same nature that, is, that was in them is in you and the, the, the possibility of rebellion is very great because we are all the same. The Bible says that we've all sinned and we have this nature of propensity to sin. And so he's telling them, when you go into this land, you have to know these things. You have to know yourself. You have to know the history of who you are, your people. And you also have to know what you're getting into. And that's what the Lord is doing this for. He's preparing them to go in, knowing very well what they're going to experience. And because he's God and he's omniscient, he knows all things. He, he can tell, he knows in advance the things that they're going to do in the future. He knows that when they get in there, they're not going to completely drive out the inhabitants of the land, which he told them to do. They're going to shrink back in faith, and they're not going to complete, completely do what God had asked them to do. He knows that in time they're going to, as a result of not allowing those, of taking over those nations and driving them out completely, he knows that the result of that is going to be an infiltration of those people groups into their own lifestyle, into their own culture. There's going to be a mingling of these things. And pretty soon their daughters are going to be marrying the sons and the sons are going to be marrying the daughters and, the, and there's going to be idolatry. And ultimately it's going to continue to spread and continue to spread to the point where God has to bring judgment upon them. He allows them, as you remember, to go into captivity in 722 B.C. by the Assyrians. The whole northern ten tribes taken out from their place. And so now you just got these northern or southern two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, And then just a few hundred years later, they are ensnared by the same exact thing. What should have been the capital, the, the, the Jerusalem, the capital of the great king, has now become a den of thieves. Now it's become a place of idolatry. And God has to judge that. And he, God has to bring them and allow them to be dispossessed and allow them to be taken into a foreign land. God knows all this in advance. And so we can't fool him. He knows all things. And I always love this idea that because of God's foreknowledge, because that he knows all things, do you sense his love tonight? I mean, do you? Maybe you don't. Maybe you've messed up today and you're feeling like this rain cloud is over your head. And maybe you're feeling like you deserve something. <laughs> But I tell you, God, what God wants to do is he wants to bless you. We have to confess those things and be rid of them, but he wants to bless you. His heart is to love you, to bless you. And that is so different from what is prevailing in our culture today and even in religious circles. Because one of the things that religion likes to do is to make you work for your salvation, to make you feel worthy of it. And folks, that is the biggest scam the world has ever seen. 
Because if you can earn your salvation, then Christ's death on the cross was not necessary. And he he didn't go to the cross in vain. He went to the cross because it was the only way. The only way. So, let's get into chapter 10 here. If you remember chapter 9, Moses, in this series of four sermons, this sermon is going to last for several chapters. This is really the second um, sermon, if you will, that Moses is giving to this new generation. And in chapter 9, he really just starts to review Israel's rebellions. And he starts to catalog these things. Again, not to rub their nose in it, but to show them this is what you're capable of. You ever seen that? Um, there was a, an advertisement or a commercial on TV many years ago, and the commercial started like this. There was a frying pan and then an egg. And it says, this is your brain. This is your brain on drugs, right? And it shows that egg frying, right? And so God wants to get our attention. So let's look in chapter 10 here. In chapter um, 9, just to get into it, we we had gotten to the point where they had uh, corrupted themselves by making the, the golden calf. And Moses destroys that golden calf, and he takes the, and, and he, he, gets, he gets angry, and he throws down the, the tablets, and they break. And then finally, in, in chapter 10 here, it says, And at that same time, the Lord said to me, and this is the second time that God was going to have the same thing that he had written on those initial tablets. God made the original tablets. God wrote on those tablets while Moses was up on the mountain. We have this recorded for us in Exodus. Moses comes down in chapter 32 of Exodus. I believe it's 32 or 34. And, and they, they see, they, they're, they're down there making that calf, and he comes down and he breaks those tablets. Well, God finally says, Now, Moses, you hew two tablets. You broke the first ones that I made. You hew out two stones tablets, and then I'll write on them the way I did before. And so that's what, he, what we're getting into now. It says, And at that time, verse 1, the Lord said to me, Hew for yourself two tablets of stone like the first, and come up to me on the mountain and make yourself an ark of wood. Now, in other parts of the scripture, it talks about who made this ark of wood. It was actually Bezalel. Bezalel, he was a man who was gifted, and he was able to do these things. And so it says, And make yourself an ark of wood, and I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke, and you shall put them in the ark. So I made an ark of acacia wood and hewed two tablets of stone like the first and went up to the mountain having the two tablets in my hand. And he wrote on the tablets according to the first writing, the Ten Commandments, which the Lord had spoken to you in the mountain from the midst of the fire in the day of the assembly. And the Lord gave them to me. Now just turn with me. We're going to look at um, a series of verses, but I think what we'll do is we'll see how... The, the history, really, of these commandments because we, we see this first thing in Exodus chapter 19. If you go there with me. In Exodus chapter 19, beginning in verse 10 uh, through 18, God is basically going to uh, call Moses up to the mountain and he's going to give him the, the Ten Commandments. Or, I'm sorry, he's going to um, uh, speak to the people, I'm sorry. And so he, he, he gets them up there. He tells the people not to come any closer to the mountain. 
And then in chapter 20, we see him, and it says, and God spoke these words. Notice, he just spoke the, the words to them. And so in chapter 20, he, we have what is listed here, the Ten Commandments, but they're not really written down in any stone at all. They're, just, they're, they're audibly given to the children of Israel. And then go to, with me to chapter 31 and verse 18. You know, and there's some, there's some things in here that I'm glossing over, but just follow with me. It says in verse 18, it says, And when he had made an end of speaking with him, Moses, on Mount Sinai, he gave Moses two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of God, written with the finger of God. And you turn the page, or you look, very, look at the next thing, and you see Exodus chapter 32. And you remember, this is the incident with the golden calf. And so Moses receives these commandments, and finally he comes down, sees the people corrupting themselves, and we see in verse 19 of chapter 32, and it says, So it was, as soon as he came near the camp, and he saw the golden calf and the dancing, Moses' anger became hot. And remember, Moses had this issue of anger. And isn't it surprising to you that God, even knowing Moses' propensity for anger, that he would allow him to be leading a people who would drive him insane? <laughs> and it, it was a growth for Moses. You know, why would God allow Judas, who was a thief in his heart, yet he allowed Judas to be the treasurer of the group, to hold the bag, to have the money? Why does God allow these things? He allows it so that we could prove ourselves. Not to prove anything to ourselves, but to show ourselves what we're really, where our faith really lies, and if we are really willing to submit to God because it's not it's easy to submit to God when things are going well but when we're in a struggle when we're in a test of our personality you may have a personality that's bent on doing a certain thing you may have a problem with stealing you may have a problem with drug abuse whatever it is and there you are in the midst of a place you're a drug addict and now you find yourself working for a pharmacy and the test is on every single day. And, I have a, and you have the, the decision to make every day. Am I going to take from the company? Am I going to take from the pharmacy these little oxycodone pills with nobody's looking? Just two a day, two a day. Nobody's really noticing, two a day. And before long, you got this huge cache of oxycodone. And you find yourself hooked on them. Or you're selling them on the street. These kind of things happen. But God allows Moses this wonderful man with this propensity for anger. God knew it all along when he chose him from the very beginning that he had this issue of anger and he allows him to lead his people out of Egypt into the promised land. And so it was. Verse 19 in chapter 32. As he came near the camp, that he saw the golden calf and the dancing. So Moses' anger became hot. And we could, you know, we might say that this is a righteous anger. He certainly wasn't smashing these tablets at this time out of anger of his, you know, like... Um, I'm sure that the Lord would have been just fine if, if Moses hadn't blew his cool here. He wouldn't have had to make two more tablets. You know, we read the history of this, and we just kind of assume that God was okay with this because he made two tablets. I don't think that's really the case. I think God in his grace knew that he would do this. And he just said, okay, you broke those, we're going to make new ones. It's that simple. <laughs> right? So it says that Moses' anger became hot and he cast the tablets out of his hand and he broke them at the foot of the mountain. And now look with me finally over in chapter 34. And now we're just going to read through the first nine verses of this. 
And this really is what Moses now in chapter 10 that we were just reading, this is what he's referring to, this event here. So he says, And the Lord said to Moses, Cut two tablets of stone like the first ones. Remember, God made the first ones, but now you broke them, so now you cut them. Isn't that interesting? It almost sounds like a dad talking to a son. You made this mistake, son. You've got fi- you, you, you to do it the next time. I'll do it for you the first time. But you've got to learn something, right? And you can see even God the Father being such a wonderful parent to Moses now, teaching him how he's got to be with his people. Because isn't that what we do as we walk as adults and if we have children? It takes time. We, we, we demonstrate for them. We want to, it's natural in the heart of a mother or a father to do everything for your child, isn't it? You want to do that. You want to bless them. We would chew their food, some kids, if you'd let them. We would chew their food for them if, if, if we, you know, because some kids are just so cute and they're so well behaved. You're like, honey, I love you so much. I'd do anything for you. And we mean it. And we would. And we tend to spoil that child. And we have to be really careful, don't we? Because then we have a problem on our hands if we continue to spoil them and we do everything for them. But they have to learn, just like Moses did. And so God here, he says, The Lord said to Moses, Now you cut the two tablets of stone like the first ones, and I will write on these tablets the words that were on the first tablets which you broke. So be ready in the morning, and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai, and present yourself to me there on top of the mountain. And no man shall come up with you, and let no man be seen throughout all the mountain. Let Neither flocks nor herds feed before that mountain. So he cut two tablets of stone like the first ones. And then Moses rose up early in the morning and went up to Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him. And he took in his hand the two tablets of stone. And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there. Can you imagine the Lord standing before you in a cloud? What was the experience of Moses? You know, you think about standing in the presence of a holy God. You know, we've never had that experience. We know that God, that Jesus is Emmanuel. He is God with us by his spirit. But to actually see him, you know, the Shekinah glory. Do you remember in the Old Testament when the Shekinah glory, or, or even in the New Testament, or I'm sorry, in the Old Testament, when the Shekinah glory fell on Solomon's temple when it was first dedicated? And it says that the Shekinah glory, the very presence of God, the cloud was so thick and so wonderful, so glorious, that the, the priests had to leave because it was so intense. Isn't that wonderful? That's what I want on my house, <laughs> in my room, the Shekinah glory, in my office, you know. That'd be really weird. People go by and all I see is this bright light zooming out from underneath the thing. Wow, man, he's with God. You know, I would love that. Not, not, not for egotistical reasons, just I would like to just be with God in that way. But we can be because we, um, we may not see the cloud, but he's with us. We don't have to have some kind of external physical display Blessed are they who have not seen and yet believe, right? Isn't that what Jesus said? So he goes on here and he says, Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. So Moses made haste and he bowed himself 
toward the earth and worshiped. And then he said, I, if, if now I have found grace in your sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray, go on among us, even though we are a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us as your inheritance. And, you know, you think about what an intercessor Moses was. Here he is interceding on behalf of himself and the people, in spite of themselves. And let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 5. It says, Then I turned, Moses speaking, and I came down from the mountain and put the tablets in the ark which I had made. And there they are, just as the Lord commanded me. Verse 6 says, Now the children of Israel journeyed from the wells of Ben-Ajakin to Maserah, where Aaron died, and where he was buried. And Eleazar, his son, ministered as priest in his stead. Um, Moses, or I'm sorry, Aaron died on Mount Hor, H-O-R. He died on Mount Hor. And when it says that um, to Masara, where Aaron died, it's, it's a region. Masara is sort of like, if you were to look up here, it's like a region like this, and then Mount Hor is just part of that land. It'd be sort of like Monroe County and then Penfield. Penfield's just a part of Monroe County. So Masara evidently is a bigger land area, and uh, Mount Hor is in the midst of that. And that's what I think is so interesting about the scripture. You know, as you read things, sometimes um, you may come across things that seem to contradict one another. But upon further examination, by doing just a little homework, you find that these things aren't really uh, contradictions at all. They're just uh, a different um, viewpoint of speaking about the land or the place or the time. And so we get a bigger picture. We get a pic- bigger picture. That's what the Gospels are about. You know, the Gospels all have, they're all very specific in their, in their representation to show different facets of the, the humanity of Christ, the servant nature of Christ, the, uh, that he is the God-man, to show that he's, uh, you know, the only heir for the tribe of Judah, you know, the only heir to the kingdom of, or the throne of David. And all of those Gospels have a specific goal in mind to show us something about Jesus. In Numbers chapter 20, uh, we're just going to look at uh, verses 22 through 29 because it has a little bit more information about this. It says, Now the children of Israel, the whole congregation, they journeyed from Kadesh and they came to Mount Hor. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in Mount Hor by the border of the land of Edom, saying, Aaron shall be gathered to his people. For he shall not enter the land which I have given to the children of Israel, because you rebelled against my word at the water of Meribah. So even Aaron himself, Moses' older brother, was not allowed to go into the promised land because of their rebellion, because of Moses' rebellion, and certainly because of Aaron's rebellion, you know, misrepresenting the Lord. He was not even allowed to go into the promised land, as we know. Because, and then it says, uh, verse 25, it says, Take Aaron and Eleazar, his son, and bring them up to Mount Hor, and strip Aaron of his garments, and put them on Eleazar, his son. For Aaron shall be gathered to his people and die there. So Moses did, just as the Lord commanded. And they went up to Mount Hor in the sight of all the congregation. And Moses stripped Aaron of his garments, and put them on Eleazar, his son. And Aaron died there on the top of the mountain. Then Moses and Eleazar came down from the mountain. Now when all the congregation saw that Aaron was dead, all the house of Israel mourned for Aaron for 30 days. Can you imagine? You know, most people don't get the opportunity to know when the day that they're going to pass on. I'm glad that I don't know that. 
Can you imagine if the Lord was to tell you exactly when you were going to pass, how that would change our lives? Maybe it wouldn't change it at all. You know, if you're walking with the Lord and are obedient to Him, it might not change much because you're kind of walking with Him anyway. You're just like, okay, Lord, I'm just going to continue doing what you've put in my heart. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited format, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office for ordering details. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. You can also listen to these messages on your mobile device by going to Calvary Chapel of Rochester on Google Play or Apple Podcast. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.